Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, musicians. Please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. Turn with me there to chapter number 3. And you will need your Bibles this morning. You will need to keep them open as we read and study this passage of Scripture together. The book of Acts, as I've told you before, is a very historical book. As you read through it, it covers really probably about 30 years of history, maybe a little bit more. It's hard to tell at times to get exactly where it is. But it's going to cover about 30 years of the early church and its beginning. But also, it is a transitional book. When I mean by transitional, it's going to go here in the early chapters. It's going from a Jewish national church eventually to a Jew and Gentile international church as time progresses. But this morning, I want to look at it from not just a historical point of view or a transitional point of view, but I like for my Bible to be practical to me when I read through it. And that the Spirit of God might help me and give me something that will encourage me, strengthen me, give me something that maybe I should be pursuing and doing better in my Christian life. Or maybe something I ought to stop doing in my Christian life. And so I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 3, and you're picking up here now a few days, maybe a few weeks after, Peter has stood and preached his great sermon, and really his sermon is really an accusatory sermon. He is telling the Jewish men uh, that they are guilty of the murder of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of those men, they they they, they say, hey, hey, well, what, what can we do about this? And he told them to repent. And for them to identify themselves with this risen Messiah whose name is Jesus of Nazareth. And so 3,000 of those men. Can you imagine if we went from this number this morning to 3,000 by next Sunday? Whoa. And so they did. 3,000 men believed. It does not include their their wives or their children. 3,000 men Believed. And so, well, it gives some characteristics of the church after all this occurred. But I want you to pick up with me in chapter 3, verse 1. And I need you to understand that the, the Holy Ghost had descended. And as John the Baptist had his goal in ministry, as Jesus had his goal in ministry, so does the Holy Spirit here. And he is about to do something again that is going to gather the attention of the Jewish men. And then he's going to fill his preacher with his spirit, though he would have the boldness to say to them what the Spirit of God once said. And by the way, anytime that you really need to say the mind of the Lord, you're going to need some courage. You're going to need some boldness to be able to do it in most cases. So, by the way, after this message that we're fixing to look at right here that he preaches, listen to this. Five thousand men respond to this message and join up with them. Five thousand. So you go from three thousand plus five thousand. That's not counting the ones that were added daily. And that was just men. You see, well, it looks to me like the whole nation is turning to God. That's just a small percentage of the men of Israel. But I want you to know, notice how quickly this thing is blowing up here. In Jerusalem, you got to get the mindset of this so that you can understand what you're reading here and appreciate it, okay? So, here the Spirit of God is leading these men, and you'll see how Jewish this is. You can't leave that out when you read your Bible. When you want to rightly interpret it, rightly divide it, you got to look and see who it is, what time period it is, and what, what's the Holy Spirit talking about. Verse 1, now Peter and John, we agree that they were some of the leaders of the twelve, Peter and John went up together into the temple, the Jewish temple. They have not broken away completely from Judaism yet. They don't understand completely yet what the Lord is up to. You know, you can be led by the Spirit and be obedient without you knowing everything what God's up to. Amen? And so they go up to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, which was three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily 
at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Now we'll find out later, this guy's over 40 years old. How many months and how many years has this man been carried by his friends and his family to lay there before the temple? How many hundreds, if not thousands of Jews have passed by and noticed that guy and on their way to do their religious duty, you know, there he is sitting outside, the, you might say, the temple or the church building and, and people are feeling religious and, you know, so they're giving and they know, most of them have seen this guy. They know this guy and had they had the ability and power, they probably would have done something for him medically and so here this is a this is something that listen by the way sometimes the timing of the Lord bothers you and me sometimes because I know that Jesus Christ had been around that temple teaching and preaching for a number of years and no doubt had seen that guy but did not choose to heal him at that time and his apostles also had been healing and preaching in that area and they had not healed him up to this point and, and, and so sometimes the timing of the Lord and how He works in our lives is always right. The Bible says that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. And sometimes we feel like God's never going to answer some of our prayers. I mean, I, I feel that way about a few things that I've been praying about for over, over 40 years. But I hadn't quit. And I keep asking. And I keep trusting. And I keep waiting. And sometimes I catch myself in my pride, prideful moments of counseling the Lord about, you know, Lord, answer me speedily. Lord, would you, would you please? But here he is. He had no idea. That, and neither did his friends. When they loaded him up and took him down and set him out there that day, he had no idea that God was fixing to do something and be glorified through it. He had no idea. And so the scripture says, you know, if you'll just be faithful and just keep trying to do your best to get in the place you need to be, God one day will show up and do something that will blow your mind. Now look at this. The Bible says in who, he says in verse 2, now there he is, he's been led at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms. Verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking alms, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, hey, look at me. Look at me. He gave heed unto them. Obviously, the guy had been begging and asking for so many times that sometimes he just wouldn't even look at the people. It was just a repetitive, hey, would you help me? Hey, would you help me? But here's what he says. Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. That's significant because if you read the previous chapter, people have been selling their land and their houses and laying, and laying these, these riches at the apostles' feet. And yet Peter and John have not taken those things for themselves. I don't think if Peter's supposed to be the first pope, which he's not, the pope today would not be able to say that. Silver and gold have I none. But neither would he be able to say, the Pope today, neither would he be able to say in the name of Jesus Christ, do this. Now look at this. The Bible says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This is a phenomenal moment. One of those wow moments in your Bible. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. Do you believe what you're reading? Boy, I do too. That's my God right there. That's my God right there. He has the power to do that. Verse 8. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. He's having a spell. Man, I don't blame him. He's never even been able to walk. He's always been waiting for somebody to pick him up and carry him somewhere. And now, man, God has strengthened his legs. And, buddy, he's not just walking. He's jumping, man. He's leaping. Can you imagine, you know, if somebody walked in the door right now and they were turning cartwheels? I mean, that would probably catch our attention, wouldn't it? And a guy is just praising God and he's jumping up and down. And we knew who he was. Maybe he was somebody that was that we knew had been crippled all of his life. 
The Bible says in verse 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch. There's no room in the temple. Now they're outside on the porch. Because, man, we're fixing, we're fixing to see 5,000 men be converted. So we don't know how many guys and people are gathering around the front of this thing. And the Bible says in the portion that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And so Peter got a crowd. He said, man, I'm not going to miss this chance right here to preach. And so the Lord uses this to gather the crowd. Do you understand? God orchestrated this. Peter didn't go get up and John and say, you know what? We really need to have a promotion day to day to try to get a crowd so I can preach to them today. So if you would, would you get that guy that, that, that is lame and have him lay out there and then, uh, or, or get somebody that's, you know, fake it that they're lame and see if we can get them up and we can get a crowd. You see, when you follow it, when, when God's in it, you don't have to pretend and you don't have to promote it and you don't have to make it happen. It happens spontaneously. The timing of the Lord. Now look at this. This is exciting. And the Bible says in verse 12, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. Now notice carefully who he is speaking to because this is important. He said, You men of Israel, you men of Israel, this is the Spirit of God using this miracle. And listen, Peter's only got one outline in his Bible. And he preaches it again. Here's what he says. He said, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk? When the Spirit of God is in a man or a woman working through them, they want to glorify God, not themselves. Verse 13 says, now look at this. Again, it goes back to the Jewish setting. He said, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son, Jesus. Whom? And this is where He starts nailing nailing them down again. Whom you delivered up and denied Him in the presence of Pilate when He was determined to let Him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just. And you desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Man, you talk about some boldness. He said, you were there with that crowd. Saying, crucify him, crucify him. That was the crowd that was saying, you know, release Barabbas, release Barabbas. He said, yeah, that was, you were in on that. And the Bible says, you desired a murderer, a murderer. In place of God's son, you chose to free, you could have freed him that day. Verse 15 says, but you killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Keep in mind, One of the reasons why the apostles had the great power that they had and the miracles they could perform and the wonders that they did was for one reason. And that was to to confirm the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Him being the Son of God, the Messiah. Now look at this. And He said, And His name, through faith in His name, hath made this man whole, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance you did it, as did also your rulers. By the way, ignorance is not innocence. He said in verse 18, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all His prophets that Christ should suffer, He has so fulfilled. So now what is He doing? Under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, He's fixing to reach back into what He learned at the 40-day Bible Institute that Jesus taught Him and them while they were waiting for Him to ascend to heaven. 
Jesus expounded the Scriptures, the Old Testament prophets. He opened up the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, showing them what Christ must do. Christ being the term for the Jewish Messiah. So if you can determine biblically what the, what the Jewish Messiah was supposed to do, experience, and how you would recognize Him, then you can connect Jesus' name to that Messiah. And that's what He's doing. He's laying out His groundwork. And listen, if you're going to be converted, if you're going to be changed, you need to be convinced that it's the truth from the Bible. That it's right. Now look what He says. And He says this. And he says, now, I, I know that through ignorance you did that. He said, but in verse 18, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Now, I'm going to tell you now, look what he says next. He says, um, he didn't even ask, he didn't wait for them to say, well, what do you want us to do about this? He says, repent. He said, repent. He is laying the crucifixion upon them. He says, but the Old Testament foretold of him, therefore you are held responsible for what you should have known and what you could have known. Had you really believed and listened when you were at the temple reading the Old Testament and listening to those priests teach, and, and I am too, I'm responsible for what I could have known and what I should have known. How many times have you sat in a class and your mind's been somewhere else and you could have known what to do had you listened? But here's what he says. He says, repent. Now listen, this is a, this is an interesting verse of scripture. How about if we just, um, believe what we read? Don't try to make it fit into your theology, but just believe it. Look what he says. Repent you therefore. This is to the nation. This is to the group of Israeli men. He's telling them to prepare themselves for the return of their Messiah. Look what he says. Repent you therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And look at this. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before which before was preached unto you. And again, I do lay this before you. I believe that is the reason why the other 3,000 and the other men and women had sold their land and their houses and were hanging around Jerusalem because they were seeing a national revival begin to spark and they're seeing the nation begin to turn just a little bit back toward God and they wanted to be there in case that the Messiah did return to Jerusalem. Now watch. He said, he says that he shall send Jesus. Now either that's an honest offer or not. That as for nation, if they would repent and turn, and the scripture says, which was before preached unto you, but then he gives them, he gives us a little bit of uh, leeway here that he doesn't really know exactly when he will come back. Remember, they asked him, when are you going to set up the kingdom? You remember they asked him that right before we left? And he said, that's not for you to know. He said, you just do what I told you to do. And he said in verse 21, Whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Talking about Jesus. Verse 23. It shall come to pass that every soul which shall not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. And then he goes to Samuel and all the other prophets and said, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after. I think Isaiah was one of those. Isaiah saw the... He saw the birth of Jesus Christ. He saw the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. He saw the suffering Christ upon the cross. And he saw the millennial reign of Christ at the end of his book. He saw it. And he prophesied it. And he says in verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days 
Ye are children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. So if you would get right with God, if you would repent, if you would acknowledge this, and the Lord, if He were to come back and bless us, man, we could bless the whole world. Verse 26 says, Unto you first, God, having raised up His Son, Jesus, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from His iniquities. Would you agree with me that His theme is repentance? Do you remember something that Solomon prayed a long, 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 long time ago? A lot of churches today, a lot of evangelists use this text. But Solomon said... In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, when he is talking to God and he's praying there at the temple and the dedication of the temple, this is what he said. He's talking about Israel. He said, if they would, if he said, if he said this, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, then, will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. All right. And it looks to me like, man, this thing is coming up to a, a, a drastic, uh, you might say, conclusion here. Another ultimatum is being given. John the Baptist gave them one. Jesus gave them several. Now the Holy Spirit is giving them another one. Well, God's long-suffering. God is very long-suffering with the nation of Israel. God is very long-suffering with Roger Hoots. And I think also with you. Look what he says in chapter 4 now. Let's pick this up right here. Follow with me now. It says, and as they spake with the people, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, look what's happening. It says, the priest and captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Boy, you know when a nation starts doing gets a chance to turn around and do good. Here comes the politicians. Now you got to think this is a theocratical situation here. In the sense that they were, their religion and their politics were all together. It wasn't separation of church and state. So the sad, the rulers, the religious rulers were also the political rulers of that nation. This is very serious, and I think if you'll look at this with me, you'll see how it parallels what's going on in America, and that's where the practical stuff comes in. All right? And here it says, but listen, it says, being grieved. Now, why in the world would you be grieved when God is working in a nation? He says that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the body. In other words, they didn't want these folks having what we call H-O-P-E. Hope. Hope. Because for them to gather hope would be for them to begin to lose their grip of authority and power. Verse 3 says, and they laid hands on them, talking about the apostles, and uh, James, Peter, and John, and laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day as it was now even tied. A lot, lot took place in three hours. Now look at this in verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word, look at this, believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. We're going to have to get some more songbooks. Maybe a few more pews. Verse five. Now listen, they've been put in. They've been put in holding. This is this is this is so parallel of what's going on in the United States of America from this point forward. I hope you can see the parallel. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, you might say that that would be the House of Representatives and the senators and the. Uh, Supreme Court, they're all coming together to look at this. Look at verse 6. 
and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Here he goes, he pulls out that same message, Brother Ed. He said, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And I've told you before and I'll tell you again. There can be a nucleus of people in a nation that love God and fear God. But when when people above us in federal places begin to legislate against God, God will judge that nation. Now, God will help those people who refuse to bow their knee to Baal. He will take care of them. But the nation as a whole will go through the judgment of God. These guys right here now are going to attack what God is attempting to do. God's a gentleman. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. If you don't want Him, He'll back away. Look what He says. Filled with the Holy Ghost, He said, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man. Lost my place here. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means He has made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, he's looking right in their face. And you know what? Just about a month and a half before, when just a little servant girl said, you know what? You're one of them. You're with him. And he denied that. And he even cursed and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And now he's looking at these very men who could take his head off. And he's looking them in the eyeballs. What a difference the Holy Ghost can make in our lives. He says, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that has been repeated for centuries. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, here we go, and ignorant men, and that's, and listen, that, and that's what they do. That, that is what politicians and religious folks that don't know God, they're going to attack your education. They're going to attack your lack of education possibly. And they look at you and say, you're unlearned and you're ignorant. But they marveled. And it says, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. One of the greatest compliments anybody could ever pay you. You say, you know, I can't, that that guy right there is not the smartest kid on the block. But there's something about him. You can tell he really does know the Lord. Now look at this. Look in verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go. Now now listen, if you're them, why in the world would you want to dismantle this? They couldn't heal that guy. How many times had they walked into that temple to go to their offices and pass by that guy? They know that this is the hand of God. We know that thou art from God for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. They know God is working. Verse number 15, it says, But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle which hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people. Now this is where you control the press. This is where you control the information. Let it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. How well did that go over? 
But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto him, talking about God, judge you. Basically said, now listen, guys, now reason this out. Do you think it's better for us to listen to God or to you? Which one? Do you, you make a judgment call here. Well, you know the obvious answer. That's a rhetorical question. You know the answer to that. Verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, well, yeah, we, we agree with you, but you keep your mouth shut. And we're tired of you getting on these street corners and preaching. We're tired of you saying this stuff in the name of Jesus. You're bringing this upon us. You're making us look bad. You just shut up and everything will be okay. They let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. Believe me that the authorities that are in power now are looking for that very thing against the churches of God in America today to legislate laws that will shut us up about Pride Month, about same-sex marriages, about transgenderism, but you know, folks could quit all of that, but if they never find Jesus, they're still going to hell. You understand that, don't you? It says, and so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was done, showed. So being let go, they went to their own company. And reported to all the chief, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and after the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Now their burden here, friends, and church family, and their prayer is that this power and this confirmation is that the word of God would be confirmed to these people. They're not trying to draw a crowd. They want the word of God to be confirmed and Jesus to be glorified. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed. Now we're talking probably upward now of eight, ten thousand people here. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. That's a miracle. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but had all things common. That's a miracle. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as that were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, I don't know, maybe that's Jose. Amen? Could be today, wouldn't it? And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite. Now look at this, of the country of Cyprus. That's where maybe his land was at. We don't know, but that's a couple hundred miles away. He sells it, and having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let me, let me conclude this message 
with how we can apply this. This is historical, yet it is practical. The nation is being turned from a liberal and self-centered mindset to a conservative, God-fearing, Bible-believing group. Do you believe the liberals of America fear that? Do you think that they are afraid of Bible believers or, you know, taking a Bible into a public school or opening that Bible up and just reading what the Bible has to say? Do you think that they would probably have a stroke? This nation, Israel, is being turned toward a liberal from a liberal and self-centered mindset to a conservative, Bible, God-fearing group. The nation's most powerful leaders who rule and make their federal decisions, they are personally offended by these men and their message. They have, they believe that their, their place of power is being threatened. They totally ignore the obvious that blessings and benefits are coming upon this nation. Do you know that the liberal reprobate leadership of our country could care less that our country was doing well a a year ago? That more and more people were, were, were turning toward conservative views And they were even prospering more financially. But the liberal mindset who who refuses to lose and give up their places of power, who refuses on the day of prayer to even mention the name of God, they refuse, this group did, to accept responsibility for their own decisions of why they were in the condition that they were in? Why was this Messiah crucified? Why? They made that decision. They weren't going to accept blame for that. And I I get tired of hearing folks blaming even our our former president for what's going on today. They're just not going to accept responsibility for their own decisions. They're just not going to do it. And not only that, but number five, they attempted to silence the voice and the influence of those who were beginning to turn the nation in a different direction. You say, well, Brother Roger, I don't think you should admit religion and politics. It'd be hard not to right here in Acts chapter number three and four, wouldn't it? And God never intended for it to be that way here as well. He wants what you believe and, and how you live to all be influenced by your faith and your fear of God. Your faith should direct every decision that you make. I had the privilege of staying in a very nice home this past week, and the lady that uh, that that was in the home, the mother and the and the wife, she also works for uh, Edward Jones, which is a stockbroking company. And so I asked her. I said, over the past year, I said, are people panicking? How are things looking as far as? I wouldn't ask her any personal information of anybody's account. I said, just how does it look overall? Look general. She said, you know, she said, most of my clients, she said, I've been here 11 years, and she said, most of my clients are faith-based. And she said, they have faith in God, and they have faith that uh, the Lord will look after them, and so they invest conservatively, and so they haven't reacted to much of what's going on. With their, and money tells a lot of what you do and how you panic and what you do and things of that nature. But she said this, because they are faith-based, they are, consent, they are consistent through good times and bad times, and good presidents and bad presidents. Amen? Now, this is what I want you to see here, and then let's go to the house. I want you to notice that they had great confidence in the sovereignty of God, regardless of what was going on. I wish, that, dear church, that you would not be fearful of the days in which we live. Look what he, look what he said right here. Look what he said in verse number 25. Look what the Bible message was when the troop, when the troop, let me, let me back up. Let me, let me, let me, let me lay this out for you real easy. Okay. First of all, you'll notice in verse number, uh, one, when they got turned loose, where'd they go? They went to their what? Their own company. Their own company. That means that 
They were not ashamed to identify themselves with people who had believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be staying in your own company. You need to stay with your company that believes on the Lord. They were unified, they were identified, and they glorified God. And that's the way it ought to be. But you know what? They understood the nature of the real battle. And you have to. This is a spiritual warfare that's going on in America. They're after the hearts and minds and souls of your children. They don't want you to have the authority of a parent. They don't want you to tell your children conservative views from the Word of God. They want to begin now even in their, in their, in their youth and, and even in their kindergarten age, in their first and second grade and their third grade to teach them a perverted lifestyle. And to teach that you're the one who is closed-minded. And you're the one who is weird. You're the one with three eyes. Do you understand? That is where it's going. And so you need to hang with some good Bible believing. Get past all your petty stuff. Get past all your personal preferences. I don't like this. I don't like that. Get past all of that. Brethren, you got a, you got a war going on in your, on your hands in this country. And it is spiritual battle. Now look what he says. Look at, uh, he understood the nature of it. He said this. He said in verse 25, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage? And they do. I don't watch late night comedians, but I do see excerpts of some of the things that they say and they rail at God and they rail at conservative people. Ted Cruz has been brutally abused by the media because of his conservative Christian values. If you, if you don't think it's a violent, vicious group out there, then you just step out and lead and say something publicly and see what happens to you. He said, oh, they'll embrace me. I got some uh, swampland in Arizona. I want to sell you after church. All right? Look what he says here in verse 20. The kings of the earth stood up. Look at that. See, they recognize that there's one above all the kings. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. They recognize. For a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed... Now look, then he gives the names. Herod, Pontius Pilate, Nancy Pelosi, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For me, she's the face of evil. But they were gathered together, and nothing's changed under the sun. People are the same as far as the spiritual warfare is concerned, the battle. It's good versus evil. It's God versus the heathen and the devil. And he says in verse 28, he said, However, we know, for even though they were gathered together against your child, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. In other words, we know they crucified him. We know they raised against him, but they could not have done it had you not given permission to do it. And you had a plan after that. Do you believe that? How did Daniel make it through all those presidencies and those kings? And he believed in the sovereignty of God, that God raises up men and God sets down men. And sometimes he even chooses the basis of men to rule. Please have confidence in God. Before When you leave today, have confidence that your God is watching down from heaven. He sees what's going on. He just wants you to hang with your own. Be unified. Be unified. See what matters, what really matters. Get your kids in some good classes where they can be taught the Word of God and memorize the Word of God. Expect a little more out of them. Push them a little bit. You say, well, I don't want them to... I don't want them to get a bad taste of, of, of the Bible and them having to memorize ten verses. Do you feel that way when the math teacher says you've got to learn those fractions? Oh, I don't want you to learn those fractions. You're going to wind up hating math. Do you understand? It's just, do you, yeah, but they're going to need math when they grow up. So now you're saying they don't need the Bible when they grow up. You're welcome. All right, now listen carefully. The Word of God says here that they understood the real battle, but they had confidence in God. 
And so their prayer was, God, would you use us? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us boldness in this dangerous hour, in this dark hour? Would you fill us with your spirit and use us to glorify your name? I think that would be a good prayer for East River. They prayed to be used. It's time to go. I want to show you a few verses and let's pray and go to the house. Okay? Would you look with me? Their goal was to do this. You know that many people don't mind if you ask them do they believe in God? The devils believe also and they... But you start talking about Jesus. You mentioned the name of Jesus. They get uneasy. Brother Harold Laird is the father of the pastor I was preaching for. They All three of those guys have been here years ago. Don't, don't expect you to remember them. Brother Harold is up in his 70s still preaching and pastoring, flying airplane, just a great man of God. He was in a meeting the other night, come to see his son and visit him at the church, and he said that while he was driving down to the church, he said he saw a man working in the yard, and he said the Spirit of God spoke to his heart. He said, you go back there and you witness to that guy. Didn't know him from Adam. He pulled up in the yard and said, Sir, he said, uh, I just, Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I just needed to talk to you for a minute. He said, uh, Sir, do you believe in God? Oh, oh, yes, 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 sir, yes, sir. He said, Well, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And the man said, I think it's time for you to get in your car and get off my property. He said, People don't mind you talking about the name God. I just don't want you talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this and then let's go. All right? Look with me in chapter number 3 and look in verse 6. If you highlight underline anything in your Bible, look at this. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Do you believe there's power in His name? Have you ever been under oppression by the demons of hell, and you cried out His name, and it works. Oh yeah, it does. Look with me please in verse 16 of chapter 3. And it says, And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong. Would you look in chapter 4 real quick? Look with me in verse 12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When you see that little sticker on somebody's car, got all kind of symbols on it, all kind of religions on it, tolerance and multi-faith, you take that verse, stick it over that, it's like putting a hand grenade in an anthill. There is no other name. It's pretty narrow. Pretty narrow. Look in verse chapter 4, verse 17. But that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And when you go sometimes and you're in a, a maybe a, a place where there's mixed religions and somebody calls on you to pray, they don't mind you praying. You just don't mention Jesus. Amen. Verse 18 says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Look in verse 30. It says, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. I need to show you one more verse, and then we're going to pray. One more verse. Would you turn to Philippians, please? The book of Philippians. i got to read this to you, and then we're going to pray. Philippians, please. Philippians chapter number 2. If we're going to be a light in a dark place, we cannot be ashamed of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must proclaim it. We must believe it. Look in in Philippians chapter number 2. I'll tell you this. Everybody's going to bow their knee and confess Him. But praise God, most of us in this room have bowed our knee and confessed this on this side of the grave. Chapter 2, the Bible says this, 
in verse number 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this. Verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name, which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have you done that? Have you bowed your knee and confessed that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father? There is only one door. You've heard me say it a hundred times. And that door is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Do you know Him? Let's stand together, please. I pray that God would help us to be in principle like that group was. That we would understand the nature of the battle. Be unified in purpose. Prayerful for the power of God upon our lives and in our group. And that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and glorified. I pray the Lord will do that for us. And that we'd be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Thank you for your attention this morning. And we're going to have a word of prayer. And then I'd ask you to just remain in your place for just a moment. I need to ask you to pray for some families, a family that has gone through a tragedy. And I didn't want to mention it before church. I didn't want your mind distracted. But let's pray for just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the Word of God, the liberty to preach. And I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would work in the hearts of our minds, of our men and women, that they would believe the Word of God. And I pray that East River would just have a a glimpse of what was in that group. And may, Lord, you just use us in these last days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.